All right, let's take your Bibles, please. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. How do you suppose they listen when mom says, clean the room? Thank you. All right. Matthew chapter 21, we've been looking at created for a purpose. Created for a purpose. And today we're going to continue with that theme. We are going to look at the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're going to look at a theme that goes along with our series, Created for a Purpose. Created to proclaim his name. Created to proclaim his name. We are to be uh, the light of Jesus Christ. To show forth the light of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. But here's what I understand about that. We have no light of our own. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 1 was light that shined into the darkness. And verse 9 says, he was the light that lighteth every man. You have no light without Jesus Christ. And if we're going to shine forth any light in this world, it is the light of Jesus Christ. We are to show forth him. And so I want to show you from the word of God today some things that we can learn from this triumphal entry as it's called as Jesus rode on the back of that donkey into Jerusalem just shortly before he'd be crucified, buried, and rose again on resurrection Sunday. I don't know if you've noticed this. This week I was in, um, we were over at the Weber's house and they have a Jewish calendar on their wall and, uh, from Israel and one of the Friends of Israel type groups. And, and I was noticing and I said, you see this? This is actually the start of Passover coming up and resurrection are starting on the 17th. This year we will celebrate resurrection before the Passover. Does that make any sense to you? Here's why. Years and years ago, they took the pagan holiday Easter and the Roman Catholic Church combined it with around the time that Christ was risen from the grave and they just celebrate Easter. They tried to change it into a Christian holiday. Easter is celebrated the first full moon after the first Sunday after the spring solstice. So you think about March 21st, around that time is the spring solstice when we go from winter to spring, and then the first full moon that falls after the first full Sunday of that time. And that doesn't sound Christian at all. Jesus Christ rose again after the Passover because he was the Passover lamb. And so about every five years, we celebrate it on the wrong Sunday. He said, well, then why do we do it? Because there's a lost and dying world that's coming to church that day looking to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I don't believe it's a compromise to preach the gospel on any Sunday. And by the way, we celebrate risen Christ every week around here. Amen? doesn't matter what the calendar says. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, no matter what the men may say. And praise the Lord that we can celebrate a risen Savior. We have a risen Savior today. Let's look at Matthew chapter 21 this morning. Matthew chapter 21. And notice what it says with me in verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me." And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. That's from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. 
And his disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I want to direct your attention to verse 10. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you might challenge our hearts today with the preaching and the principles that we find in the scriptures today. But Lord, for that to happen, number one, we have to mix it with faith. We have to believe that what we have in front of us is the very word of God, inspired, God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. Lord, once we have that settled in our heart, we'll believe whatever it says because we know that it comes from God and thy word is truth. Lord, also, we need your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us into this truth. So, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. I surrender to you, and I ask that you'd fill me today. And, Father, we'll thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we'll often hear a sermon or a church purpose statement that says something to the regard that we are going to turn the world upside down for Christ. It certainly is a noble theme. It really is. And we have seen that in the Bible a few times. In Acts chapter 17, it was asking, who are these people that have turned the world upside down? They were the disciples of Christ, the followers, the new believers in the early church. And because of the power of prayer and evangelism, they had turned the world upside down and it was acknowledged by the world. I think it's a noble goal. But the truth is this. We are often powerless. We struggle to fill up a building for a prayer meeting. And so we remain powerless. Our witnessing very rarely leads anyone to Christ. We sow the seed and we hand out gospel tracts, but where is the power? Partially because our testimony is tarnished, our hearts are cold. We get excited and encouraged if we can make just a small ripple in the water, and yet it often goes unnoticed among the ocean of humanity. But Jesus never had that problem. The name of Jesus caused a stir wherever he went. I, I would encourage you to do this sometime. Just, just when you're getting groceries, say to the girl, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. There's no other name in the world that is more polarizing, more divisive. And I'm not saying that you should go into the world to stir up strife, but what I'm saying is that when we go in the power of the Holy Ghost and we can testify and we can bear witness of Jesus, it is going to divide and it is going to cause some struggles in people's life and it is going to stir up strife, but, uh, but God is, is pleased when we mention his name. And who knows, you might come across somebody that actually needs Jesus. That's actually tender to the message. A story is told of a preacher that went 
uh, was with another preacher and it was late at night and they were traveling back from a meeting and they landed at the airport late at night and they were getting in the car and they were driving and it was quite late and they pulled into a gas station about 1 a.m. and the one preacher walked up and, and uh, this is not what you say at a gas station at 1 in the morning. But he said, do you know what would happen if you were to die tonight? He says there was a girl behind the counter and she reached down he thought he was getting a shot. She was getting a shotgun. It was, it was in Texas. They're, they're, all, all bets are off in Texas, amen? And she reached under there and she pulled out a Bible. And she said, I've been just searching these scriptures and I know the Lord and I know I'm away from the Lord. And, and, and she says, I'm so thankful that, that you came by. And she says, I just want to know if Jesus loved me, would, would he send somebody by? And just then a big old trucker was behind him. They hadn't heard him slip in. And he says, she may know, but I don't. And right there in the gas station, they got on their knees and that trucker accepted Christ as his Savior. You never know what sharing the love of Christ will do. His name will stir up a city. The Bible says as the Lord Jesus Christ got upon the full of that ass and he began to ride into the city and people began to shout his name and cry Hosanna. The Bible says the city was stirred. It was shaken. It was turning upside down. And they said, who is this? As they were moved by the ripple effect throughout the city. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ has lived in relative obscurity. For the first 30 years of his life, we don't know much about him. We read of his birth. A couple of years later, we read when the wise men come to visit we read of their flight into Egypt, but then nothing for a decade. When he's 12 years old, the family visits Jerusalem, and of course, Jesus stays behind and answers the questions of the religious elite, and then again for another 18 years or so, we hear nothing. But then he starts his public ministry. Nobody packed more into three years than Jesus. Nobody. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John wrote this about him. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should have been written. Amen. Here we are at the end of those three years. He has one week in a physical body left on earth and then he will rise from the grave in 40 days he will appear in a spiritual body to his followers. At the end of these three years, Jerusalem had heard. They'd heard of his works and his wonders and his miracles and all the things that he'd done. They certainly had heard about his sermon, but here's the thing. They didn't know him. Matthew records that all the city was moved and they would ask the question, who is this? Who is this? I have a feeling we could use the words, once and for all, I want to know who this man is. They would have had to been living under a rock not to have heard by now what had been going on all around Galilee and in the coast of Jerusalem. Jesus would cleanse the temple in the next day, but for the second time, and he'd already turned over the tables once already. 
They, they must have heard and they must have known that there was a man that was doing great works and perhaps even sent from God, but they did not know who he was and they said, who is this? The city of Jerusalem, I want to say to you today, we're lost people. You say, well, how can you say that? How can you know that they were lost? Simply because they didn't know who Jesus was. Friends, salvation really comes down to that very simple fact. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you have Jesus, you're saved. If you don't know Jesus, you're lost. The multitude cried out, who is this? They did not know. Can I suggest to you today, there's a lost and dying world out there today that doesn't know Jesus. They, they may know his name. They may use it in a cuss word. And that's something they say they don't know Jesus, but they'll use his name all the time. And it's sad. They, they may have come to church on Easter and Christmas and they've heard the Christmas carols that speak of the newborn king and they know a little bit about him or even know a lot about him. But they don't know him. They don't know him. It's interesting, sometimes you'll read a name in the obituaries and you'll think, I know that name. And somebody will ask me, did you know so-and-so that died? And I'll say, I knew of them. I know the name. Perhaps they're connected to a family member somehow, or maybe they were connected to somebody in the church. I've heard of them, but to say I know them, no, I really don't. I wonder if there's somebody here today like that. You know a lot about Jesus, but do you know him? Do you have him? Is he your savior? Does his spirit dwell within you? Has he sealed you under the day of redemption? Are you ready and fit for heaven because of the finished work of Calvary? Well, it's not enough just to be his acquaintance. It's not enough just to know his name. You must know him personally. Do you know him today? Well, here's the good news. I'm so thankful that unlike myself many times, and perhaps you feel this way too, the multitude was able to give an answer. I wonder how many times we are faced with that very thing, wherever we may be, and we, we sit there, and the, the girl that is serving our dinner at the restaurant, and we wonder, does she know Jesus? And in her heart, she's got all kinds of issues going on in her life, and perhaps even messed up to the point where she feels like, I, there's just no way back for me. I'm just kind of stuck in a, a dead-end life until I die. It is what it is. And we sit there with the answer and remain quiet. But thankfully, the multitude, the multitude said, this is Jesus. We know him. Let me tell you who he is. I want you to notice some folks that were in this multitude. See if you can identify with any of them. First of all, we see some that were called for his purpose. 
There were those that were called for his purpose. In verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus drew nigh into Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. And we know that the disciples were those that were called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They were the ones that were chosen, the 12, that would come alongside him and learn from him. But don't, don't be mistaken here and understand this. When Jesus traveled around the countryside, yes, he had the 12 disciples, but he had many others following him. Many others. There were times where Jesus had to turn people away. There were those that had committed themselves to following him all the time and they, they, they left family and they left their jobs and they, they left everything that they knew that they might follow the Lord Jesus Christ and they were called for his purpose. And we see uh, in, in Matthew chapter 21 verse 4 that they were called to carry out his will. The Bible says all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. The disciples did not know perhaps at that moment that they were carrying out the very will of God prophesied in Zechariah. Isn't it wonderful that God uses just flesh and blood like us to carry out his will? He did with the disciples, and so they were to carry out his will, but they were also to carry on with his work. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus Christ told the disciples that after this ye shall receive power, and you will go on to uttermost parts of the earth. And he gave them the power of the Holy Spirit that they might preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in that crowd today. Maybe at some point in your life you say, well, you know, the Lord had a higher purpose for me. God has called me to, to be a soul winner and God has called me to teach a Sunday school class and God has called me to be a bright and shining light. Can I say this to you today? That if you're a child of God, that applies to all of us. All of us are called to be his image bearers. All of us are called to shine forth his light. We're all called to reach the lost. We're all called to take the gospel. There were those there that were called according to his purpose. Jump over to Luke chapter 19. I, I want you to see something here. Uh, as we look at, there's four different passages. All four gospels record the entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Look at chapter 19 and verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. The Lord Jesus Christ has just called for this colt to come and the Bible says they brought it to the Mount of Olives and he would begin to ride into the city saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And notice, notice what it says in verse 37, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of what? That doesn't sound just like 12, does it? Does 12 constitute a multitude? I remember just thinking last week, 73, boy, it looks empty in here. Thank God for the 73 that were here, and thank God for those that just said, I just need to stay away. I'm not well. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you could watch online. But 73, we, we put in this room, and it's, it's, it's like a cavern. 12 doesn't feel like a multitude. 220 or whatever are here today does not feel like a multitude. The Bible says there was a multitude of disciples. There were more than just 12 that were called. And I want to say to you today that if you're a child of God, you've been called to a higher purpose. God wants you to bear his light. Notice the second group of people we see, those first that were called for his purpose. Number two, 
I like this. Those who were captivated by his person. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Those who were captivated by his person. Do you know who the best soul winners are? You say those that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Absolutely, that is priority number one. But it all is also those who stand in awe of Jesus. If I were to get up today and just say, listen, friends, you know, let me tell you about this Jesus. The Bible says that he died on the cross and he paid the price for your sins. And, you know, uh, we can help you with that. That's not compelling at all. Bible says we're to go in the highways and hedges and compel. But somebody that loves Jesus is proud of them. My wife and I went to this little get-together yesterday, and I heard her talking to somebody, and she was talking about me, and I, I was embarrassed. And um, wasn't wasn't let me clarify. She wasn't trying to embarrass me. It wasn't anything bad. She was actually talking very highly of me. But I took from that that she loved me. All my warts and wrinkles, all my failures, she still was talking very highly to a stranger. And I thought, she loves me. When we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ like that, he knows we love him. Song of Solomon, we see the story of the bridegroom The Lord Jesus Christ comes to his bride's room and he says, come, my love. And she says, I've put off my shoes and I'm in bed. He puts his hand over the keyhole and she can smell his aroma. But by the time she gets to the door, he's gone. And she runs through the streets and she says, have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? He is beautiful. He is precious. He's altogether lovely. And then Jesus appears. The Lord wants us to tell others that we love him. We don't just rattle it off like it's some fact of scripture, but it is a fact. But we share it like it's a love story. Jesus died because he loved me. He died for you because God so loved the world. He shed his blood because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you go to hell in your sins and so he paid the price because he loves you. Those that were captivated by his person. Look at John chapter 12 and verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of of the Lord. This is more than just the disciples. The disciples, I believed, walked with him. The Bible says in Luke that they met him at the Mount of Olives, the multitude of disciples, and I believe they walked behind him and walked before him and they shouted, Blessed is he. But the Bible says here in John chapter 12, there was more that joined them. There was people that came to the feast and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Look down, if you will, in verse 20. The Bible says there, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship. At the feast, the same came before to Philip, which was the Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
They worshiped Christ and they wanted Christ. This was not just a simple curiosity. The Greeks that came to Philip and said, we would see Jesus, understand this, this was not a simple curiosity. These were not a pagan people from a faraway land that said, we want to see this miracle worker. We want to try to debunk whether or not he really is from God. And we want to see this person that we've heard so much about it. The Bible says this literally, they were among them. They were part of the crowd that was worshiping him. They were in awe. I believe that there was Jews at this feast from all over the world. There was Greeks. There was Jews from Gaul or France. People that had come for this feast, hundreds of thousands of people. And of every kindred and tribe and tongue, those that knew him were captivated by him. And the Greeks said, it's not enough that we see him on the side of the road. It's not enough that we've put palms in front of him. We want to meet him. We want to take that next step and get close to him. We want to know him. Let me ask you this. Have you lost your awe? Have you lost your awe? You know, beauty fades. Somebody say, man, you're looking at me. Come on. Beauty fades. It's so sweet to see old couples. I'm careful when I say old. I mean over 100, okay? Nobody here is that old. We had our, our friend, that Minnie Pearl. Minnie had a life of service. She gave her life to serve. What I mean by that is that she had been a nurse and she would be taking care of an older gentleman and find out he's a Christian or what have you. Here's what she would do. Literally, she would marry him and take care of him until he died. She wouldn't move in the home to take care of him unless she was married to him. She'd say, I'll make you a promise. If you will go to church with me as long as you're able, I will stay with you when you're not able. She did that six seven times. And finally, when she got to be quite a bit older and in her 80s now, the pastor challenged him on a friend day. He said, here's what I want you to do on, on this friend day coming up. Instead of inviting the same people that you invite to church all the time, I want you to go make a new friend and invite them to church. She was getting her car fixed at a garage, and there was this man in there by the name of George, and she says, he looks like he needs a friend. And in two weeks, they were married. Two weeks. Both in their 80s went to the pastor and said, we haven't got much time, preacher. He knew the Lord. She knew the Lord. Both were widowers and widows and whatever, and, and they got married. And let me tell you, you want to see a picture of a true Christian marriage. You watch those two and their lazy boys holding hands helping with everything, each other. We, we would say this about Miss Minnie. She married all those times to be a servant, but this time she married for love. And she loved him. And died just a few weeks after he did. When she was at the funeral, they said, she said, people got mad at me because I didn't cry. 
But she said, she was as yellow as, as his sweater. She knew she had something wrong. They went from the graveyard to the hospital, and she had liver cancer. And she said, the reason I didn't cry at the funeral is because I knew I'd see him in just a few weeks. I knew it was close. But you want to see a godly marriage. It was the picture of Christ and his church, sacrificial, loving one another. Boy, it blesses my heart when we see that. You want to, you want to see another one like that? Go visit the Spongs. I'm not saying there's not others in our church, but man, they're, they're, those two are, he, he still gets all googly-eyed when he looks at her. It's incredible. That's how Christ loves you. Do we have that same awe for him? That wonder where we just can't get enough of him. I, I don't want to go anywhere without Christ. I, I don't want to participate if Christ is not in it. I don't want a part of it because I'm captivated by him. There was a sense of wonder among these believers and it shook the city and they said, who is this? And they said, it is Jesus. I wonder what Simcoe would be like if we all went out just captivated by Christ. There's one more group we see there. I'm nearly out of time. There were those that were called for his purpose. There were those that were captivated by his presence. But look at John chapter 12, third group. There were those that were changed by his power. Notice what it says in verse 17. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The people along the path that day that were worshiping the Christ were those that were called for his purpose. There were those that were captivated by his per person, but there were those that were changed by his power. The Lord had raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, now let me say this. You, you look at the grand scheme of things, you might say, well, yeah, he, he, he changed Lazarus for sure. But you and I both know that everybody who saw him come out of that grave was also changed. Changed by his power, touched by his mercy in awe of his grace. And they came and they worshipped and they fell before Jesus and they had an answer to give. Some had experienced it. There were some in the crowd who had experienced his power. There were those that were once blind but now could see. There were those that were lame and now could walk. There were those that could not speak but now cried out, Hosanna. There were those that experienced it. But there were those also who embraced it. They might not have been healed of anything. They may not have been risen from the dead. But they witnessed and saw the very power of Christ. Let me ask you this. Have you experienced the power of Christ? He said, well, I've never been sick. I'm not talking about that. Have you been saved? Has the power of Christ changed your life? There's some folks in here today that used to be drunks. Drunkards. People don't like that word, and I, 
I don't know. I had a fellow years ago that was such an extreme alcoholic, and he, he came to me and he'd say, Pastor, he says, when you preach, don't say alcoholic. He says, that makes it sound like a disease. He says, you say drunkard. And so one day when he was drunk, I used the word drunkard, and he didn't like it. It's funny how we are, isn't it? There's people in here who used to be drug addicts. You know who you are. There are those of you that went out and lived immoral lives. But every last one of us have sinned and failed a holy God. And if you're saved today, you've experienced the power of God. And a lost and dying world is saying, who is it? Who did this? And all Jesus is saying is, we just have to say, this is Jesus. It's not me. I could have never lifted myself up out of the gutter. I could have never changed my life. But through Christ, I'm a new creature. You have an opportunity this week. A lot of the work's been done. The postcards have been made. The gospel message is on the back. We'll send out an email tomorrow. We'll get the choir up and sing next week. We will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is say, come. Come and meet Jesus. You're hurting? This is Jesus. You can't figure out the next step? Let me introduce you to somebody who knows the end from the beginning. You're wondering where you're going to go when you pass away, when you die? Let me tell you about the resurrection and the life. This is Jesus. Do you know him? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. The altar's open if God has spoke to your heart, but let me ask you, would you just... Take this simple challenge today. Think about this. Those multitudes that were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, that were answering the city that this is in fact Jesus, this is the Christ, this is the one that has healed the sick and raised the dead. Consider this. That city was full of Roman soldiers. It was a seat of Herod who had already put John the Baptist to death for preaching similar things. They were living in an oppressive society. And yet they were unashamed to proclaim the name of Christ. We're afraid sometimes people laugh at us. People will mock People get angry. I'll tell you this, they'll be far angrier if they ever have to lift up their eyes in hell and wonder why you never told them. Let's stand to our feet today. Maybe there's one here today who said, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. We really would like to help you. Christ loves you, died for you, paid the price for your sins, not his. He was sinless, perfect. 
those being baptized can slip out. Let us help you today. Is there some that would just say, I just, I just need to witness, testify more of Jesus Christ? Take that to the Lord right now. Make that commitment.